told you before, I didn't want you to read this crap. I never saw such rotten crap in my life. Where do you get this shit? Who sells it to you? <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to your horror podcast, home of all things sticky, nasty, and full of crap. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is The White Guy Dies First. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! What do you want? I want to hear you scream. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. You've got to be fucking kidding. What's blood for, if not for shedding? They are not men, monsieur. They are dead bodies. Dead. Zombies. The living dead. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? <laughs> Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Ah, yes. Ah, yes. For the very first episode of the White Guy Dies First podcast, I can think of no other film more appropriate to discuss than the 1932 classic White Zombie. Now... <laughs> Despite what you may think, uh, I actually did not pick this one. This was not my amazingly great idea that uh, came from my own little mind. No, this was actually suggested to me by a colleague and mentor who I will simply name Dr. F. You know who you are. Um, I don't want to name drop anybody in case, uh, you know, for privacy matters. I'll just say, Dr. F, you are smarter than me. And uh, upon hearing about my podcast idea, they were like, oh, you know, you got to talk about Dominican zombies. This is the first zombie film that was ever made. And it would be a great uh, opener to your podcast. And I have to say, I was a little hesitant to watch this movie because... You know, I, I'm i not somebody who's a big snob about black and white movies. I actually do know a few people who have the bold audacity to say that they would never watch a black and white movie, which, to me, is just cruel and insane. I don't understand that mindset at all. Um, but I watched it, and I had a blast with it, and I actually have a lot to say. Uh, but before I get into it, I do have to give some background. Uh, this is a pre-Haze Code film, and the Haze Code was a uh, basically a moral panic, um, a, a moral panic uh, policy that basically said that films could not have sex, violence, the bad guy always had to lose, crime could never be portrayed in a positive manner, and a whole bunch of really restrictive uh, rules that basically, I believe it was the the uh, American Catholic Society basically imposed on the film studios, and uh, they followed that for a long time. I think it was like 30 years. I don't believe the Hays Code left. God, I think... You know what? I'm actually going to look that up right now. I totally uh, am left unprepared here to talk about the Hays Code, but uh, let's see. I want to say 1968... Yes, it did. Oh, man, I'm good. It did. Officially died in 1968, and that's why we saw a slew of crime and horror movies throughout um, the late 60s, early 70s, and beyond. So, uh, White Zombie is actually quite unique because it got in a few years before the Hayes Code got into place, which you can quite clearly tell throughout some of the film uh, scenes because they are either violent as hell or provocative as hell. There is uh, one scene where... Uh, a woman is in her pre-wedding gown, um, like she's basically in like a bra and boy pants, like boy shorts, uh, whatever they're called. Um, and you can see like her, her whole thighs and everything. And I was thinking to myself, my God, this must have been really like, you know, provocative for the time. Goodness. Um, <laughs> so th this is an interesting film for a number of reasons. But one thing that I have to say before I get into discussing the plot properly is that I find it wonderfully interesting that the first use, the first ever use of the word zombie in this film, and perhaps throughout all of film, is spoken by a black man. That's right. It is the coach driver uh, who is played by Clarence Muse, who first says the word zombies. 
Uh, you may have heard that in the intro, in, in the introduction to this uh, episode, uh, there's at one point uh, where somebody says, Zombies, the living dead. That's Clarence Muse, and I just really wanted to talk about him for a second because I went to his uh, Wikipedia page, and it is impressive, this man's filmography, considering the time that he was living in. He basically was what would be considered an actor in the Harlem Renaissance, uh, he performed in Harlem theaters, uh, both the as part of the Lincoln Players and the Lafayette Players, and he is a very prolific actor. Uh, it says here that he performed in the film Hearts of Dixie in 1929, which was the first all-black movie. Um, and for 50 years, he would work as a regular, as a minor character, unfortunately, uh, throughout many different films. And I find it fascinating that he was in stuff like, I just have his uh, filmography up here right now. He was in stuff like Hell's Highway, Cabin in the Cotton, apparently, as a blind man, uh, the, the Death Kiss in 1932. It looked like most of his work is done between 1929 and 1959. Uh, so that's exceptionally interesting. Yes, he's only in as minor characters, but, you know, just from what I've seen of him acting as the coach driver, he had a very, uh, like, resonant voice. And I think if he had been, you know, allowed to go even further, he could have been a staple name. I think that he could have been one of the best actors, not just in the horror genre, but in general. Uh, there's something about his performance in this film that's very charismatic, and I really liked. And I was really sad that he's only in, like, the first, like, eight minutes of this film. Um, and apparently, by the way, I wanted to mention that Muse received the honorary, uh, an, an honorary Doctor of Humanities degree, degree from Bishop College in Dallas, Texas in 1972. He was a member of the Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, uh, and he died in Paris, California. It's P-E-R-R-I-S. I think I'm saying that right. Paris, California on October 13th, 1979, one day before his 90th birthday and the same day that his final film was released. So even up until, you know, uh, his death, he was still making waves, I have to say. And I, I know he's just a minor part of White Zombie, but I, I really admire that the first ever time that the word zombie is uttered on film is by a black man in the film White Zombie. There's just, it, that's really interesting to me. And I think it's really important to put that information out into the world. Um, but anyway, so I actually watched this film on YouTube, if you can believe it. It's a uh, public domain film. You can watch it anywhere, but the one I watched was on, or the version I watched was on YouTube. Uh, it's also on stuff like Tubi, the app Tubi, uh, but the quality was pretty bad, I have to say. Uh, somebody really went into a lot of... Uh, uh, put in a lot of care to touch it up, uh, the quality for YouTube. Although, I have to say, one of my biggest problems with the film is that the sound quality is really bad. <laughs> the sound mixing is all over the place. Sometimes the music is exceptionally loud, and I can't really tell what the characters are saying here and there. Uh, so that was quite disappointing that I couldn't get all of the dialogue, but that's okay. It is at times, you could almost turn off the sound and you can get most of it as if it was a silent film. It's okay. There is some really good um, lines in it, but if, you know, if you miss a little thing here and there, it's not a big deal. Um, so again, this film was made in 1932. Uh, it has Bela Lugosi as the main antagonist. Um, I, what is his name again? <laughs> they, that's another thing is they don't really say his name too often. So I'm, if, if I'm discussing his character, I'm probably just going to refer to him as Lugosi. Uh, it says here that Lugosi starred as the zombie master, uh, murderer. <laughs> that's his nickname, murderer Legrand, uh, Legrand. I don't know. It's L-E-G-E-N-D-R-E, Legrand, Legendre, Legendre. I don't know. There's a lot of, uh. There's a lot of French names in here. Like, I think there's uh, Beaumont at one point. I don't know. So I'm just going to call him uh, Lugosi for all intents and purposes. Because at this point, he had already cemented himself in the legendary Dracula role. Because uh, Dracula was in 1931. And this is one year later. And, by the way, I have to say that I think that they were reusing a lot of the Dracula uh, props. Because uh, the castle that Legrand or Lugosi lives in looks extraordinarily similar to the... Uh, <laughs> to the Dracula castle. But anyway, um, so the film opens up with this married couple who are basically, uh, it's, it's, uh, Madeline 
Madeline Short is arriving in Haiti uh, to meet with her fiance, Neil Parker. By the way, I did not know the fiance, the guy's name until I looked it up because I just, I could never catch his name throughout the whole thing. So it, when I was writing my notes, I was just saying like, the husband, the husband is doing this. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't pick it up. So uh, Madeline and Neil are reunited and they are getting married in Haiti. They are... Uh, they're being driven by, you know, Clarence Muse, the coach driver, and they happen across a, uh, like a burial ceremony that's happening in the middle of the road, in the middle of the road. And the film actually opens with, um, a big crowd burying something in the middle of the road. And it's, uh, they're like singing this really haunting sort of, um, like chant. And it's really sort of catchy. I don't know. I could rewatch that intro a few times. There's, uh, it almost reminds me of this weird chanting that's in uh, one of the Exorcist sequels. Um, that's really vague to say, but if you've seen one of the Exorcist sequels, it's where it's, um, it's coming in, uh, on like a dolly cam, uh, throughout, or it almost looks like a drone footage and it's going through this, uh, sort of African village and there's this really interesting chant going on that's really I have to say haunting, but anyway, so, uh, the coach driver drives up to, you know, the grave, uh, that they're burying or that they're creating in the road and, uh, Madeline and her husband, who I'm just going to call her husband, uh, say, what's going on? Oh my God. And he goes, Oh, they're, uh, they're burying the, the body in the middle of the road so that people won't steal the corpses and make them into zombies. And you're like, Whoa. He doesn't say zombies until later, but, you know, so there's a problem of people on the island stealing corpses, and it's such a prevalent problem that they're actually going so far as to bury it in a semi-public place where if anybody tries to steal the bodies, it will be uh, easily noticed. Um, And then from that scene, we get a transition with Bela Lugosi's eyes. Uh, they're uh, they're blacked out, or the uh, the skin around it is blacked out, so it gives more of this sort of, like, you're just focusing on his eyes, and man... I have to say, even though I think the film really does lean a little too much um, onto, you know, shots of Bela Lugosi's eyes, they are quite haunting and ominous as hell. Uh, they are indeed hypnotizing, and I think that they were correct in getting him both as uh, the murderer Legrand and in Dracula, because there's some quality, there's some ethereal uh, entity emanating from Bela Lugosi's eyes that is quite captivating, I must say. Um... And it gives a sense of dread, you know, it gives you the idea that there's uh, something watching this couple, something bigger than them. And it actually reminded me a lot of uh, the eyes in uh, The Great Gatsby, the one on the billboard thing, the spectacle shop eyes that's supposed to be like God watching everything happening. Uh, that's what it sort of feels like. It feels like Lugosi's character is sort of like this evil God who knows everything that's happening. And it's really interesting. Uh, and actually, they run across uh, Bela Lugosi's character on the side of the road. They're going to ask him to directions to this big pla- uh, bleh, big plantation where they're getting married. And he doesn't say anything. He just sort of leans into the into the stagecoach and grabs Madeline's like uh, scarf and rips it off. And uh, behind him, horribly, are these obvious zombies walking down this hill out of the darkness and the coach driver sees it and goes holy shit let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> so uh he runs away he gets the he you know whips the horses and they go speeding off and i have to say that um the shot of the zombies coming down the hill is really creepy uh i think that you know, a lot of us tend to be more creeped out by zombies that are, you know, obviously disfigured or gorified or dripping with some ooze. But these guys look like they literally just are normal people, but have some sort of really stiff legged. They're not looking at where they're going. Uh, it looks like they're looking off into the distance. It's something we can't quite see. And it's, again, quite unsettling. And uh, it's a really interesting, cool shot of them coming out of the darkness. It's not a really well-lit shot. And you're not really sure how many of them there are. It turns out Lugosi only has like five or six main zombies that he has around. But uh, in that first instance, you're like, oh my god. Like how... They're all walking in a line, too. They're all walking single file. And uh, it's really, really quite something. Uh, and then after that, we get a shot of this uh, this really other tall hill and there's a bunch of uh, like stereotypical graves, like little crosses and stuff that are just clearly made by uh, like a prop department in like 10 seconds. But there's a bunch of them. There's hundreds of them on this hill, and it's it's really cool. Um, so then they get to the plantation, and the stagecoach driver says that, uh, he says the immortal line, you know, They are not men. They are zombies. 
the living dead, which is just great. And then he he points on towards another hill, and you see people walking silhouetted against the skyline. And he goes, look, there's some of them now. And that totally made me think of uh, Romero's uh, line of, uh, you know, the, the opening line in Nightmare, uh, Nightmare, goodness, Night of the Living Dead, where uh, Barbara's brother, uh, whatever his name is, oh, God, that's going to, she always moans about it. What's, uh, I got to look it up right now. What's, what's, there's a trivia question for you. In Night of the Living Dead, uh, 1968, uh, who is the, uh, who is the brother, the annoying brother that teases Barbara the whole time? Johnny, Johnny's his name. Ah, Johnny. Yeah. So, uh, when Johnny says to Barbara, when he's teasing her, look, there comes one of them now. It's very reminiscent of this line that uh, Clarence Muse says in White Zombie. And I found that quite interesting. I don't know how much Romero uh, cribbed from White Zombie, but, you know, um, what's also really weird is that the coach driver, coach driver says that the zombies are being used as slaves, basically. Like, they are domestic, domesticized zombies. They are not being used to kill people. They're being uh, basically risen from their graves to work in uh, the sugar mill, in the plantation to harvest all this stuff. And that's really messed up for a number of reasons. Um, it is interesting to say also that not all of the zombies are black. There are a bunch of, like the main zombies are are mostly white guys. Uh, there's one who's in like a wizard's cloak. There's one guy who has like an eye patch on. There's another guy who looks really big, kind of barrel chested. Um, so not, it's, it's interesting that they... Not all of the zombies are are black, because um, you would think that in a narrative, you know, 1932, uh, that's discussing plantation workers, that there would be a lot of black zombies, uh, but at least the ones that follow uh, Lugosi around, they're not. However, we do cut very quickly to a sugar mill where there are a bunch of black actors who are uh, carrying like barrels and they're loading in uh like sugar cane into a into a mesher into this big sort and they even have like god help us they even have like a slave wheel like what you'd see in conan the barbarian where there's just people like pushing a wheel in a circle and um it's crunching up the sugar cane stalks and there's one scene that made i was i was taking notes and i i was just going yeah it looks like oh man they've got the slave wheel and uh at one point one of the zombies he like stops functioning or something right as he's about to dump his barrel of sugar into the into the thresher thing and he falls in he falls fucking in and obviously you don't see any blood or anything like that but uh the implication is really dark and cuz the the people at the bottom keep spinning the wheel and you hear the the crunching the, the the there's no slopping sounds or anything but you just hear like the of the machine like uh of it grinding against his body and i was like oh my god that's awesome that's horrible but it's awesome that uh <laughs> the the this the sugarcane production doesn't care if they mush in some zombie guts in there. Oh man. Uh so anyway, um going back to the main uh the main married couple of Madeline and husband, uh they are staying with uh uh the plantation owner, Mr. Beaumont, and Mr. Beaumont is a very Gatsby like character and he is absolutely enthralled with Madeline. He wants her for himself. He is super, super pushy. Um, oh, and a doctor shows up. Uh, this one really old guy who I have to say I'm not a fan of. Uh, he's a missionary worker. He's been he's he's the guy who's gonna marry the the Madeline and husband characters. Uh, he's been there apparently for 30 years on missionary work. And uh, the last character I'll mention is uh, Mr. Beaumont's uh, butler named Silver, who is a really pointless character. Um, but he's he's just there to sort of be the 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 quote unquote good angel on Mr. Beaumont's shoulder to tell him you know don't don't get mixed up with Lugosi's character don't uh, try to interrupt this wedding ceremony but Mr. Belmont is a dick and he believes that Madeline would be so much better off with him that oh they're meant to be together so Mr. Beaumont in a in a fit of jealousy goes to Lugosi's character and says hey guy you know. You got all these zombies. You are, you're obviously some sort of uh, voodoo witch doctor. Is there any way that you could uh, get, you know, Madeline to sort of... <laughs> and he goes, oh, why do you want to interrupt such a fantastic wedding? And by the way, <laughs> uh, Lugosi does not really hide his accent. It is just the same sort of thing that you would expect from Dracula. 
Um, which, again, I don't have a problem with, but it is, um, I guess it's interesting because, you know, Lugosi's character is is a white guy, and he is tapping into uh, into a religious practice that is typically seen in, like, uh, African cultures, and, uh, you know, the voodoo religion here is exceptionally simplified. It is not, uh, it doesn't have any nuance, really. Um <laughs> It is just, I am evil, I am going to create zombies, I'm going to... And they're very slow-moving zombies, that's the other thing, is they walk very slowly. Um, and, and that's okay, but it, it, it it's because they basically... They're resurrected bodies that don't have their souls. At one point, uh, Lugosi says that if the zombies were ever to regain their souls, they would tear me limb from limb, uh, which is interesting because you never really think of people recovering from being a zombie. But this one in this film implies that uh, Lugosi's kind of suppressing their souls from returning to their bodies, which is interesting. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Uh, so yeah, uh, Mr. Beaumont basically begs Lugosi, like, please, 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 please let, uh, let Madeline love me. And he says, okay, if you want... Uh, basically, here's what's gonna happen. He calls up one of his, he, he, like, uh, does his little hand thingy. He puts, like, his, uh, his right and left hand together and kind of pulls them. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain right now. Uh, but basically, imagine, like, hooking your hands into claws and then putting those claws together. And that's sort of his, sim that's his sign to, like, summon the zombies. And this big barrel-chested guy shows up again. He, Lugosi points him out and says, this is basically what's gonna happen. And, uh... <laughs> Um, I really like the, the this barrel-chested zombie because there's one point where they sort of they do a pan up of his whole body to show like how like intimidating and big he is, um, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it looks like they did like makeup on his hand where his hand looks more like it's had like the flesh stripped away, like it's a skeleton hand. Um, it was really good makeup, I have to say, and yeah, uh, he basically lays it out uh, for um, Belmont and says, "Hey, you know, take this powder." put it into her wine or on a flower and uh, she will be yours. And uh, I think this is this is sort of an unforgivable little uh, action here. And he doesn't even wait. He, he doesn't... Okay, he does wait. He waits arguably too long. It's He says to Lugosi's character that the wedding is happening in the next hour. This is literally the last possible second that he could throw a monkey wrench into this wedding. And he he is walking her down the aisle. He's about to, like, send her off into the wedding ceremony. And Beaumont says, you know what? Wait a minute. You need another flower. And he gets a flower. He puts the, the powder in it and gives it to her. And she smells it. And then, oh no, she freaking dies uh, in uh, her husband's arms after they've been married. Um, they do the like little after reception di uh, dinner thingy. And uh, she dies dramatically in uh, husband's arms. And I have to say, I have to give uh, her actress. Uh, what's her actress's name? Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. It is... You'll have to excuse me. Oh, it's Madge Bellamy. Madge Bellamy. Uh, she is really good in this. And when she passes out, when she faints in this, oh my god, it looks like she was about to bash her freaking head on the table. She really whips her whole head back and commits to it. And um, if if uh, the actor playing her husband uh, had not caught her, I think she would have been quite seriously injured because it looked pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, in this wedding scene, uh, her wedding dress itself isn't really provocative, but, uh, yeah, they show her getting ready, getting dressed with a few of her maids, and, uh, I, I definitely think that scene would have been cut in a, in a post hate. I mean, it's completely unnecessary, so ha having it cut wouldn't have been anything. I was just impressed that they had the guts to show this actress in basically a bra and her panties, um... So good for you, White Zombie. Good for you for getting all these 1932 people all... Hot and bothered. Um, also, speaking of hot and bothered, uh, or I don't. This, this wasn't a good transition. All the white actors seem to be wearing some sort of lipstick to make their mouth stand out more. Uh, it's particularly noticeable on husband, who uh, seems to be like it's almost like either really red or black. I don't know. I guess it's to make their like lip movements more apparent. Um, but it seems it's very noticeable. I have to say. Um, and during this. Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. It's not the powder that kills her. I'm sorry, there's, um... <laughs> what happens is, uh, the powder sort of... What does the powder do? I think it, like, puts, like, the zombie spell in her, and then what actually kills her is outside Lugosi's character has a candle 
that he takes from one of the uh, like the little nearby um, like the lanterns. And he takes the scarf that he got from Madeline when he assaulted her in the stagecoach. And he takes a knife out and he carves it in the shape of Madeline. And then he wraps the um, he wraps the, the the neckerchief thing around it. And then he holds it in the fire and burns the head off. And that's when she faints. Um, it's it's really weird that uh, <laughs> that. They focus so much on Lugosi just sort of having his big little like stiletto knife and just carving this uh, this uh, candle off. And while he's doing that, above him is a big ass vulture, hilariously fake. Uh, but then they do a close up of a real vulture to sort of make you think that it's like actually like they have a real vulture up there. And I have a big problem with that vulture because there are many times in the second half of the film where that vulture screams its goddamn head off. And I hated it. Oh, my God. Like, I get they're trying to make it more ominous or something, but mm, it is uh, it's really annoying and really loud. And another example of how this film's uh, sound mixing is all over the place. And I really wish they had not put it in. I don't know if it's an actual vulture screaming or if they got some lady to scream. It sounds very human-like at some points and uh, I, I just found it really annoying, really. It reminded me of um, in Citizen Kane. Uh, there's one one of the more famous like fuck-ups in Citizen Kane is when they transition from uh, one scene to another, they transition with, like, this parrot screaming. It's, like, one of the first jump scares ever, and it's it totally fucking freaks people out the first time they watch Citizen Kane. If you've seen Citizen Kane, you know the scene I'm talking about where this vulture just goes, Rare! <laughs> it's awful. And imagine that, like, eight times with the vulture here. It's awful. Um, <laughs> so... Lugosi's candle trick here actually does kill her, kills Madeline, and uh, it's fascinating that, uh, you know, we get to see how much of a scheming bastard Lugosi's character is. The Beaumont guy is just sort of horny and uh, annoying, I'd say, but you don't really know what Lugosi's gonna do here. Um, and, you know, after the after she dies, it cuts to her being loaded into basically a mausoleum in a coffin, and you realize at that point that she is going to be resurrected as the titular white zombie. Uh, and there's some really good shadow play uh, in the following scene where the husband is basically drinking at a bar. He's really depressed, and there's uh, behind him is like a corrugated steel... Um, it's like a steel sheet, and there's people like dancing, and there's a couple ladies like smoking and sitting at tables. And I th I found it really interesting that they did this sort of uh, like silhouetting on the wall there. And uh, he looks in like this big pool of liquor that spilled on the table, and he actually they actually cut in uh, like uh, like a like a, a picture or uh, like a moving scene of Madeline, Madeline's actress there. And I found that. A really interesting experimental camera uh, technique there. I don't know how much effort went into that because at times it does look a little like when they when they put in that picture, the overall film quality degrades severely. Um, and when they cut when they stop having her in there, the, the it kind of goes back to normal, and you're like, whoa! It's almost like your eyes um like went out of focus for a little bit. But I admire that they actually had the guts to try something like that. Um, and they do the same thing. Uh, she, he sees her again against the wall, and he like stumbles against the wall and tries to like get her. And uh, it it is an interesting bit of visual storytelling uh, that I'll give them credit for. Um, <laughs> so after that, it, you know, the husband guy's a mess. He doesn't really know what to do. Um, and then we cut back to Lugosi and Belmont, who he's basically telling Belmont Lugosi is. Uh, that the main crew of zombies are made up of his enemies, Lugosi's enemies. He mentions that, um, you know, his his old master is one of the zombies. The guy in the wizard cloak is one of the uh, one of the uh, one of his henchmen, basically. And I found that really reminiscent of um, of eventually, you know, when Child's Play came out, uh, Charles Lee Ray, Chucky, uh, he goes and kills his own master uh, with a voodoo doll there, uh, which, you know, it, that's like. God, what, like 50 years later? But I find it interesting that certain thematic uh, motifs tend to come back or get recycled, whether knowingly or unknowingly. You know, the idea that uh, a a um, a white uh, voodoo practitioner, uh, in this case, Charles Lee Ray uh, or Lugosi, uh, they 
overpower their master and take them over. So it's the sort of like cannibalistic sort of like, oh, you know, I overpower my master. It's my magician's power has outgrown you, old man. And now, haha, you're my puppet or whatever. So anyway, Lugosi uh, basically commands the zombies to rip out Madeline's casket and body snatch her body, steal her body away. And while they're doing this, guess who shows up? The husband is drunkenly stumbling towards the grave with his arms outstretched, more like what we'd expect a typical zombie to look like. And he's going, Madeline, Madeline. And he's wearing this super white suit that uh, makes him stand out a lot. And uh, surprisingly, <laughs> for some reason, Lugosi and Belmont go, oh shit, husband's coming. We can never stand against him. Get the body and let's get out of here. <laughs> and they sort of like run away, which is funny. Um... And then, upon seeing that his wife's body has been stolen away, he goes, Wah! you know, he does this good off-camera scream, which is really so dramatic, and it, it's totally something that you'd see in, like, uh, typical theater. Uh, and then he, oh my gosh, goes back and visits the doctor guy who got them married. Uh, who, again, if you didn't, if you don't remember, because he's only in a few scenes before this, he is a missionary guy who's been on the island, uh, studying the voodoo practitioners, you know, sort of being the, the, uh, I guess you'd call him like a colonizing scientist. And he's been, uh, attempting to sort of figure out what's going on for 30 years. And he, I don't really like him. He's, he's not a very interesting character and his actor isn't all that great. Um, but I do want to say that when the husband goes to, uh, the doctor, there is this fascinating scene where it's basically all exposition. They're just explaining like, oh, you know, it's probably Lugosi. They probably stole the body away. But it is an uncut five minutes almost, almost five minute scene of them just talking to each other with no breaks or anything, just a continuous shot. And I think at one point they actually ran out of film because they have to like quickly put in another film uh, reel or something because the quality dips. But I noticed that it wasn't a typical cut where like, you know, they kind of jumble around a little bit. Uh, the cut happens right as uh, the doctor is pounding his fist on the desk table and it it switches over to the other um, film reel and everyone's in the exact same spot. So they must have filmed this one scene. I don't even know how many times. I don't know why they didn't cut it, uh, but they filmed it straight up for five minutes and I was really impressed because this movie is only about an hour and six minutes long. So that means for like, I don't know what that is, like 5% of the movie, it's just unbroken the whole time. And I was very impressed by that. Um, also, at one point, the husband says uh, that he is sure, he is 100% that Madeline is dead because he, quote, kissed her lips while she was in the coffin, noting that her lips were cold. And I mean, already with Beaumont basically trying to resurrect a zombie as his wife, there's already little themes of necrophilia uh, sneaking in here. But I found that really weird. I mean, I, I don't know if I would kiss my significant other on the lips one last time before they're lowered into the grave. You know, that, that strikes me as very odd, uh, perhaps. But I don't know. Maybe I just don't love someone enough. If, if, you, if you're not willing to kiss me while going into the grave, is it even really a relationship? I don't know. Um, also, during this exposition scene, at one point, the doctor totally flubs one of his lines. He says that... Um, he says uh, uh, something about her body. He says, her body, her her, her dead body. Yes, yeah, 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 yes, that's better. I swear he says that's better under his breath. Uh, <laughs> it's really funny that they leave those little things in. Again, I'll forgive it just because it's such a long scene with no cuts. Whatever. Um, and there's also this weird thing where, like, the scene opens with, a, like, the camera's right up on the husband's ass, and then it sort of shifts to show the doctor, like, in the space between a uh, husband's arm and body. Uh, sort of as this, like, deep composition thing. Uh, and then they go through the whole scene, and then the doctor ends up sitting back down, and the camera ends with, you know, going back into the husband's ass. And I found that a very clever bit of camera play there. Also, as much as I'm praising this scene, I have to say, this is where something I hate in this movie happens, and that's the doctor has a running gag where he keeps asking the husband, Do you got a match? He keeps wanting his pipe to be lit or something like that. You got a match? And it's so annoying. He did it right when he was first introduced. He does it here like three times. I just find it real. And God, I hate to say this, but the film ends. Spoiler alert. The, the film ends with the stupid doctor saying, hey, 
got a got a match. He like taps the guy on the shoulder. Got a match, and it's that's the last scene in the movie. That's the last line in the movie, and I hate it so much. Ugh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Anyway, so from this point on, we switch to our main set, which is Lugosi's Dracula Castle. And um, Madeline here is shown playing the piano, which I would not think a zombie could do. And she's not even looking at the piano at all. And clearly, you know, the actress isn't playing the piano. But uh, Beaumont is trying to sort of like, you know, give her a necklace or something. And she's just there like a doll. Just look. And this is why I really like that they cast um, what's her name? Uh, Madge Bellamy in this scene because she has these very doll-like eyes that are really glassy and expressionless and uh, I I think they look pretty sad. There's this this weird quality in them that uh, it's expressionless but you kind of feel like something's trying to break through. I don't know. It's a very subtle quality and I'm glad that they uh, picked her to be in this scene. Oh, and another reason why I'm glad that they have her, not just in this scene, but in this whole movie, is that uh, her actress, uh, Madeline uh, Madge Bellamy, has really well-defined trapezius muscles, the ones that are, you know, between your shoulder and your neck. They are like, it's a, it's a, straight like right triangle right there i was i was impressed it's really noticeable when uh, bellamy's putting the necklace on her on her uh, exposed neck which again i am sure that in a in a post haze code era would not have been allowed to been to have been as revealing as it was but whatever um also, Lugosi kind of gets sick of Bellamy because Bellamy's complaining like, oh, we never should have done this. We never should have made her uh, die and basically resurrect her. And Lugosi goes, oh, yes, I suppose you're right. Uh, and then here, have some wine. And he grabs it in such a way that the palm of his hand is over the glass. And it's so clear that he's putting something in. He's putting the evil powder into the glass. And I would never, 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 never take anything from Lugosi. Uh, it's awful. And even though uh, Beaumont kind of realizes this at first, like he understands, like, oh, my God. Like he sips it a little bit and he goes, wait, what am I doing? Um, He seems... uh. Lugosi's character seems to be able to impose his will on others, even if they're not a zombie. Uh, they use the first person perspective of, or I'm sorry, not the first person. They use a close up of his eyes uh, to sort of show us that he's imposing his will on other people. And remember, way back in the uh, way back when, when I talked about uh, Beaumont's uh, servant guy, Silver, the guy who I said basically does nothing, uh, the bu- the butler guy who's kind of not even there for any important reason. Well, he sees that Lugosi is doing something fucked up to Beaumont, and actually goes to hit Lugosi in the back of the head with like a serving tray, and Lugosi like imposes his will to freeze Silver in his place, and then he summons the zombie crew to basically pick up the butler take him outside and throw him in a river. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't really understand why specifically a river is so terrifying. It's like this, this this canal that's running through the castle and I don't know where it leads. I guess they're right by the ocean, but I don't think it goes off a cliff or anything. Um it's just really where they just pick him up and they throw the actor in this <laughs> in this little pool of water uh and he screams bloody murder like it's the worst thing ever. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, it didn't seem that bad to me, but whatever. Um, and this is another point where that stupid vulture makes that terrible shrieking sound. It goes on for way too long. And then, weirdly, we get, like, a V-shape transition, like a V-wipe, uh, which is really out of place. And this opens the proverbial floodgates because after this point, they do V-shaped wipes all the time. Oh my god, it's like a first year uh, film student getting their hand, not even a first year film student, it's like a middle school student getting their hands on a video editing software. It's every scene transaction tra- transaction at one point is V-wipe or a slash wipe or whatever. It's it's really <laughs> amusing. Um, but we, you know, we transition to husband and the doctor uh, walking through the uh, the Haitian forests, and at this point, they're being guided by an extraordinarily horrible character, Pierre, who I am, like, 100% sure is is in blackface, and he is perhaps the worst instance of 
not being able to hear whatever the fuck he's saying. It doesn't matter. He just is bumbling around saying, I was once dead or something and I turned out okay. And it's, it's just such an uncomfortable and unnecessary scene. They could have just shown like the doctor and husband walking through the forest trying to get to Lugosi's castle. They did not need to include this character. Or if they did, there's plenty of black and brown actors on set as extras, as zombies that they could have used. But no, instead they decided to get this stupid dickhead Pierre and slap on some blackface on him and it's just awful I hate that part it is so gross and I think that it's it's total removal would have been uh much much appreciated also speaking of another problematic aspect uh Lugosi's vulture comes and sort of looks at them ominously implying that Lugosi's sort of you know keeping tabs on them and I believe it's the husband picks up a rock and throws it at the vulture and it clearly we get to see a cut of some some dickhole throwing an actual rock at the vulture like in real life and it scares the vulture away and it only grazes the claw a little bit it doesn't like smack the vulture in the in the side or anything but I was still like whoa what's going on here uh and from this point the husband grows Grows mysteriously sick for some reason, and that causes the doctor to sort of, you know, make a little makeshift, uh, what are they called, uh, lean-to for him and says, well, you stay here and recover, I'll go to the castle. And at this point, Madeline's being taken care of uh, by these two maids who are, I think, actually really funny. Uh, they're doing like this, it's not a comedy sketch, but basically they're, they're these two maids who are quite clearly not zombies, they're really afraid to be there, and uh, they both are kind of fighting back and forth on, like, who's going to comb Madeline's hair? Like, I did it last time, you do it. And it's kind of, it's this weird little charming bit of, uh, I guess, like, common people's fear of the zombies. Like, they don't even want to be near her. Um, and, it, and it feels quite like a, it, like a real fear there to be touching this, this horrible thing, you know, this, this non-person. Ugh. Meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, <laughs> Lugosi has uh, basically made Belmont into a zombie, and he's not the same sort of zombie as the other ones where they clearly have no will. Belmont's kind of, he looks... He looks like he's been, I hate to say this, it looks like he's been lobotomized a little bit, like he is really confused as to where he is, and uh, Lugosi, meanwhile, is got he's got his little stiletto penknife out again, and he's carving up another wax figure, who I'm almost certain is going to be Beaumont, and I think he's going to kill him, and I love here that Lugosi seems so casual, he's so just assured of himself, and he doesn't really have any fear it's great you know from this point though uh husband character gets up he you know i don't know where the doctor went at this point but he's up and about and he uh makes his way through the castle he almost gets to lugosi and then he collapses and uh at this point <laughs> kind of things get really slow i don't really like this last like 20 minutes where you know madeline comes out husband comes out everyone's just sort of it's like they're moving in um it's like they're moving in some sort of like pudding almost really slow. It's it's not something that's terribly interesting. And you would hope that it would be interesting because it's getting near the climax. Um, but it's it's really it's just Lugosi looking at people a lot. It's the zombies slowly walking around. It's getting those close up shots of Lugosi's eyes. It's it's not it's not very interesting. We've already seen a lot of this stuff already. However, um, there is a point where Lugosi summons the Madeline zombie and she, he makes her pick up his dagger and she's going to go stab the husband. She's going to go stab him to death and like there's a close up of his neck and you're like, holy shit. And she actually, even though they're doing that whole typical like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, it's her love for him going to, to win out of the day. No, <laughs> she actually goes to stab him and an arm off camera grabs her. And, and stops her, and we don't know who it is right now, but I'll just say that it was a little confusing just seeing the arm, but it is the doctor who uh, reveals himself later, um, who's, I don't know what the hell he's doing, he's he's just walking around. Um, but I like that Madeline is so under the control of Lugosi that she is totally willing to stab her husband. And uh, then comes the best moment, though, get rid of all that other slow shit, now the husband... <laughs> It has an epic confrontation with Lugosi, and Lugosi summons the zombies, and the husband just fucking pulls out a gun from nowhere and starts blasting the zombies, shooting one guy, the barrel-chested guy, in the gut, and doesn't do jack shit. And, at you know, he's backing up. He's backing away from these, uh, these zombies, and at one point he says, um, he asks Lugosi, like, what are they? What are they? And Lugosi goes, to you, they are the angels of death. 
And that was, ooh, that's that's one of those really good villain lines. I love that. And the zombies back back husband up into this, uh, basically like a cliff face, where they're going to push him off this huge tall cliff that goes into the ocean. And <laughs> he, uh, the, the doctor guy bashes... Uh, Lugosi in the back of the head, knocking him down, which weakens his, uh, like, influence on the zombies. Husband step, sidesteps the zombies, and the zombies, like lemmings, just walk off the cliff. <laughs> they just walk, and that's how, that's how the zombies are disposed of. They just go, woo, off the cliff. It's great. And one guy totally, uh, like, he, he doesn't, like, dive. He just sort of, like, he, he goes down like a plank. Like, he goes at, like, a, like a perfect angle of just dissension. It's wonderful. And, uh, then we get this little weird scene where, like, the uh, Madeline's uh, zombification sort of weakens. Like, she kind of comes out of it because the ghost has been knocked down. She, you know, she, the light comes back into her eyes, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then Lugosi gets back up. The doctor has now appeared. Doctor and husband go, oh, my God, he's getting away. Lugosi runs up the stairs, takes out the little vial of powder uh, that he used to poison Belmont and Madeline, and he throws it on the ground. And it creates, like, this big flash. And uh, you think he's going to, like, kill the the husband and doctor, and he does the little hand thing again where he's going to start imposing his will. And guess who shows up? None other than Beaumont, the Beaumont zombie. And... In the best scene of the whole movie, in the best fucking thing, this is the whole reason to watch this movie, the Beaumont zombie grabs Lugosi's character and fucking pushes him off the cliff, and you see Lugosi's clear, uh, like, body double. It's not a body double. It's like a dummy. They made a dummy and dressed it up in Lugosi's clothes, and they shove it off the cliff, and you see it go, woo! And then it splashes into like this into the rocks at the at the sea level, and it's so obviously a dummy, and it's brilliant, and it just sort of splashes on the ocean, and it gets like washed away by the waves, and that's how Lugosi's character dies. And uh, of course, because Beaumont is still a zombie, he doesn't have control over his own will or anything. He basically also follows off the edge of the cliff, although we sadly don't get to see him or a, or a body double or whatever uh, get smashed against the rocks. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it is so good. It is so legendary. Oh, mm. It's so over the top, although it is somewhat tempered by, you know, when the Beaumont zombie falls off, the the vulture is nearby and it flies down. It's awesome. I don't like that. And, you know, now that uh, Lugosi's dead, Madeline is back to life and uh, she is perfectly fine. So I guess she is technically still a zombie, but she now has her quote unquote soul back and uh, her and husband reunite. And while they're hugging, Doctor taps the guy on the shoulder. Hey, yeah, you, you got a light. Ugh. Mm. Not, not the best ending. They should have just ended it with Lugosi's body <laughs> hitting the ground. Oh, man. So it, uh, I have to say, it, it was a lot better, a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the, the problems that are there are pretty big, pretty substantial. I can't, really love any movie that has blackface in it uh and i can't really i can't really super enjoy a film that has such terrible audio problems but it is so adventurous it is so bold in what it tried to do that i do respect it and i think it is just it's not just like oh you know it's the first movie to, you know, use the word zombie or have zombies in it, so it's historically important. It is actually a fairly good film, I have to say. Yes, the plot structure is a little weak, the husband character sucks, uh, the doctor guy is almost completely unnecessary, but Lugosi's performance is magnificently powerful, and I really admire that they did go to some lengths to make what would be called like a proto-zombie uh, mythology, where... You know, it's it's these things that exist are at the at the beck and call of their master. And uh, when when husband shot the uh, the barrel chested zombie, it just made like a little like little black powder mark on his gut. And it seems as if they're somewhat unstoppable unless I guess you hack them up in a sugar cane <laughs> in a sugar cane machine. Uh, I don't know what the implications are if you were to eat uh, some sugar that's been infected with zombie stuff, which I guess, you know, they, I think they still have some of Lugosi's mysterious white powder. I don't exactly know what the shit that shit is. But, uh, you know, it's 
it's interesting. It tries a lot of stuff, and I respect a little bit. I respect most of what it tries to do, and I think that um, it does benefit from not having the haze code uh, lingering over it. And I, I think if if they had cut out some of the worst parts of it, like they probably wouldn't have been, they probably would not have allowed the silver butler guy to die. They probably wouldn't have allowed Madeline to die, even though it's like a main plot point. Um, I don't know. It's it's not it's not something that I would watch a bunch. And I think that, I, I don't know, I think that we could have had a lot better, but for the, ver- for the very first zombie movie in 1932, I am, um, I, I do think that we could have had a lot worse. I think we could have had something that's a complete throwaway that just, you know, is, is, is worthless as a, as a piece of entertainment. But this was, this was actually really, really interesting for a number of reasons. And I, I did not, did not hate my time watching it for the most part. Um, uh, I also really have to say that I liked the variety of sets, the, the places that they went, you know, they've got the big plantation house, they've got Lugosi's weird factory, uh, they've got the mausoleum, the castle, uh, it's, it's, they got the bar thing, they got the doctor's study, um, they did go to a fair bit, and again, it's a really, really concise movie it's barely over an hour and they do a lot of stuff with it it just in the the last 20 minutes is kind of a slog and i i I really wish they had to change it up a little bit more and i wish that uh clarence muse had been more of a main character because i think i i would even go so far as to say i wish clarence muse had been the husband character because i think he would have brought some more passion I mean, the guy who plays husband is okay, but he's really forgettable. I hate to say it. He's, well, I don't hate to say it. He's kind of one of those characters where you could kind of put anybody there. He's an everyman, so to say. He's, uh, he's very blank, very blank. Uh, Madeline's great. Lugosi is the biggest draw of the film as it stands. Uh, I think that I don't know how much of the hype they were building into, like, oh my god, we got Lugosi. Holy shit, like, we gotta show Lugosi all the time. But he he's alright. Um, so, as as a piece of, you know, culture, basically Lugosi's character is culturally appropriating the voodoo religion. Um, and I, I kind of like that he's sort of the white devil character. It's contrasted with Madeline being the white zombie, and the Beaumont character is, is okay. There's this weird sort of uh, I don't want to say, you know, homosexual attraction between Lugosi's character and Beaumont, uh, but at one point Lugosi does say that, uh, I have taken a fancy to you, and that's why he's turning, uh, Beaumont into a zombie, which, you know, is, is sort of, it adds another wrinkle to this whole thing. Um, as for the zombies themselves, I did find them really intimidating at the beginning, but as they show up more and more, they don't tear anybody apart. There's no, there's no bludgeoning. They just sort of pick you up and throw you around. It's, it's really sort of, I don't know. They're more of a, they're more, they're just muscle. They're just bodyguards. You know, they're, they're loyal to a, to a T. And, um, while I do have an imposing look at times, I particularly like the, the old master guy who has the sort of, uh, the runes on his, on his cloak. Uh, there really wasn't anything super special about them. Um, although it does establish, I, you could argue that shooting a zombie in anywhere but the head is, uh, ineffective. But there's no, you know, eating, uh, the zombies are never shown to eat anybody or have any other, there's no maintenance for them, basically. I don't know if the zombies even eat basic food or whatever, or if they just are supernaturally, you know, uh, moving because of just Lugosi's weird powers. But there you go. That's white zombie. I almost talked as long as uh, the film actually runs, <laughs> which is funny. I didn't really intend to, uh, to make this more of a plot summary, but I think that's sort of the best way to go about it when I'm talking about all of these elements. I don't want to just throw us in there and say like, oh, uh, just looking at my notes here, that Beaumont guy. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> His, his lusting after Madeline is super weird. Um, I, I kind of do want to walk through it and explain it to anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, so that's probably how these, these podcasts are going to go in the future. Obviously, some of the more mainstream, uh, movies, I probably am not going to have to do much of a plot summary. Um, so this is maybe a longer episode than normal. Um, but I don't know if if you have uh, comments about how maybe I should change up uh, everything here, then you can definitely uh, contact me via social media. I 
Uh, I'm going to give you my uh, Twitter, my main Twitter. I actually, I did make a Twitter just for the podcast, but screw it. I'll let you guys know what my actual Twitter is so you can message me. Uh, it's at Jared White 7 uh, Again, that's Jared spelled J-A-R-R-E-D White 7 at Twitter. You can comment uh, or follow me there and tell me what you thought of the show. Ah, there you go. I Yeah, I think doing my personal uh, Twitter account is better. That's the only real, real social media I have, and that's the best way to get in contact with me. Um, so yeah, guys, that was White Zombie. I I don't really want to do a ranking. I, I really don't. Um, but I guess I'll put aside my, my prejudice against the five-star and ten-point system. Uh, if I had to say you know, hypothetically, what my rating of this movie would be. I would give this movie probably a two, two, two out of, two out of five stars. Um, it's, again, the problem with ranking things is that two sounds really harsh. Like, it's a bad movie. And I wouldn't categorize this as a bad movie. So, I guess if I had to actually say, you know, fuck the, fuck the, num- the numeral uh, rating system, I will just give this, um... Instead of a thumbs up, I'll give it a toe up. I'll give it one, you know, I'll give it an upraised toe to say, you know what? Hmm, there is something there that uh, tickles my fancy, tickles my toes. I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this. <laughs> it's okay. It's O-fucking-K. And if you want to watch it, hey, it's free on YouTube right now. And uh, I, I would actually say if you have an interest in the origins of a zombie movie, uh, then check it out. Check it out. It is not as it is definitely problematic and uh, frustrating and annoying at times, but not maybe as bad as you think. There's a few breakout scenes that are quite fantastic. Um, so yes, this has been uh, the white guy dies first, and actually, now that I think about it, not including the zombies that were obviously already dead at the beginning of this movie, I believe Madeline is the first character uh, to die on screen in my podcast discussion so this really should be called the white lady dies first although even that's complicated because she comes back and i guess if you're not going to count characters who are brought back as zombies then technically uh silver (laughs) the the butler guy gets fucking killed by getting thrown into the into the river thing i don't i don't think he should have died from that i guess the river probably feeds off the cliff um, that Lugosi falls off of, but yeah, I guess in that way. There you go. Silver the Butler is the true uh, first character to stay dead in uh, in this in this podcast series. There you go. How fitting, Silver. Silver the uninteresting Butler. Um, he he buttled his last uh, thing. He, I I kind of wish he would have been allowed to smack Lugosi in the back of his head with the serving tray. Ah, anyway. This has been the last little bit here. Uh, Join me next time where we'll talk about something else. I guess I could talk about the sequel to White Zombie, which I have not seen, but apparently it is called Revolt of the Zombies, which is a 1936 American horror film, uh, also made by the same people, the uh, Halperin, Halperin brothers, uh, Edward and Victor Halperin. Oh, and I forgot to say that this this whole movie was actually inspired by The Magic Island, which is a 1929 novel by William Seabrook. So, there you go. There's a nice little conclusion. If you want to go see how the uh, the actual book is, it is, again, The Magic Island, which is so fanciful. That's so much better than White Zombie. Uh, and oh God, I'm looking at the movie poster right now, which will probably be the main podcast image, maybe. Um, but it's... Uh, Look up the movie poster for White Zombie. You see Lugosi's hands and his eyes, and it it reads, With these zombie eyes, he rendered her powerless. With his zombie grip, he made her perform his every desire. (laughs) There you go. There you go. The, 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 The marquee picture poster thingy hinted at zombie sex, and we didn't get it. Oh, well. Maybe next time, maybe next time we'll get some hot zombie sex actions with Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Gross. All right, everybody. This has been uh, the White Guy Dies First uh, podcast. Uh, I've been Jared White. Follow me on the social media thingy if you want uh, and tell me what I did wrong. Anyway, ta-ta for now. This has been really fun. See you guys in the next episode.
Oh, and one more thing before I take us to the outro. Uh, just in case I didn't make it clear enough throughout this uh, this little podcast thing, I just want to come back and say that I know why they chose to use blackface here and why none of the main Lugosi zombies were black or brown actors. It's because of fucking racism, and it's that horrible 1930s racism where they even had the audacity to only cast black and brown actors pushing a literal slave wheel. So, fuck you, white zombie. Fuck you so hard, and thank God that now, in the in the future year of 2020, uh, like 80-something years, 90-something years later, that no longer do we take these roles uh, <laughs> that should have been given to black and brown actors and stick white people in them for no reason, just for marketability. Thank God we don't do that anymore. <laughs> We're so progressive these days in our wonderful dystopian future. Ooh. Oh, okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Roll the credits! Stan, don't you think you were? Well, a little hard on him. You see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of crates and eating people? Dead people coming back to life? People turning into weeds, for Christ's sake? Well, yes, I did, but I... Well, you want him reading that stuff? Well, no, but... All right, then. I took care of it. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers.